And we're back. You're listening to the Weight Endurance Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Waite. I'm your other host, Kathy Waite. And this is season four, episode 85 of the Weight Endurance Podcast. And it's been a year or more, I think. <laughs> yeah, I didn't believe you when you said that. I said, no, I'm sure we recorded a podcast a couple months ago or in the summer. Yes, our last podcast was November of 2022. And so it's been a year and a month. That's weird. I'm sure our adoring fans have been so missing us. Just waiting. <laughs> yeah. If we have any fans left, <laughs> yeah, probably that's not. The, the question. Do we have any more listeners? Are you out there? Hopefully some of you are there um, and hopefully we'll find some new podcasts. Yeah, obviously we were very busy and it was a great year. Um, we're sort of just reviewing our year as people do as the year comes to a close. And we had a fun, busy adventurous year, um, tons of traveling, maybe more than we had preferred, but I mean, lots of memories along the way. We literally went from one coast to the other. Yes. And the traveling was with our redevelopment mountain bike racing team mm -hmm. uh, that we coach and mm -hmm. run. And yeah, coast to coast, literally from mm -hmm. Southern California to almost New Jersey, right? Yeah. And up to the Pacific Northwest. So Right. We really saw, saw the United States. Uh, we need one of those maps where you can like color in where you've been. That's, that's, Almost that's our life. Hey, do you know what today also is? What is today? It is my 14th year anniversary of my, my back surgery, my spinal fusion. 14 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just had a picture pop up of pale faced Kathy in a hospital room after the surgery. And you had brought me orchids. This purple apparently symbolizes healing. And so mm. that's what you walked in with. Yeah. It, um, it's a big day. I actually am getting emotional talking about it, but I always just like reflect on this day and feel very grateful for a skilled surgeon and um, lots of helping therapists along the way. And I'm just grateful I can be active and oh, just do all, all the sports and activities I love without back pain. So yay for modern medicine and um, yeah, just good, yeah. good feelings right now. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so we are heading towards the new year, 2024, uh, for those of you listening, maybe in the future or something, but, um, and we are wanting to kind of restart our podcast series uh, to get back into talking about training and all the things we're learning and hopefully sharing information with our athletes, whether you're a training plan athlete or a custom plan athlete or uh, a coached athlete. And um and kind of get that get that going again. So we'll start with uh, episode eighty five. The overall topic is going to be we're, we're thinking more of like a kind of a insightful look back, right? Mm -hmm. Of like what have we learned and like the impactful findings from our perspectives as as coaches, and kind of yeah, share and, some and of if those. people haven't followed along previously or or in a while, it's it's an insight into who we are as people and as coaches, um, and we've learned a lot over the past, oh my gosh, like 15 years, but especially the past five years of working with our junior team. So yeah, we thought we would just give like a, a review and an insight as to our philosophies, our met methodologies and cool. yeah, yeah our, I our love thoughts it. moving forward. I love it. And before we do that though, real quick, uh, as we move into 2024, that means the training season is mm -hmm. upon us. Um, if you haven't begun training already, I'm sure you athletes out there are getting things lined up mm -hmm. um, as we're at the bit as we're recording this um it is the holiday period so uh, a lot of people like to wait till just after that kind of going into the new year um so if you are figuring out what to do don't forget about our uh downloadable training plans our version 4.0 plans that i created for for last year for 2023 were a massive hit got tons and tons of positive feedback and review and success stories from those and those are available on training peaks uh for like immediate download pretty affordable and you can get going literally like you know day after christmas or new year's day or whenever it is uh i guess it has to be a monday if you're going to follow the plan as written um which is uh new year's is a, well, is a, mon is a monday. Is monday yeah uh i don't know if too many people will get started training on they christmas, are. They're going to. new year's it's <laughs> <laughs> certainly um feasible and then we also have our new version 4.1 master's base builder program that is new this year. Uh, we're not going to talk too much or much at all about it um, in this episode because we're going to be talking a lot about it moving forward in future episodes. But 
just over the last couple seasons, you and I, as masters athletes ourselves, mm-hmm. um, are just have discovered that uh, the ebbs and flows of getting older, of aging, and sadly maintaining true. fitness. You know, you may or may not be able to quote get any faster, but maybe the goal becomes maintaining what you have mm-hmm. or minimizing the loss, the decline of of our power and our speed, and because sadly that that does happen. So we've created this program kind of through experimentation of, of our own training over the last two seasons, um, backed up with a lot of known kind of scientific literature of like, you know, you actually need to train less as an older athlete, you know, so you can recover more and get more performance out of your training. So that's all part of that. And you can download that plan now on Training Peaks as well. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes, but, um, and then we'll be talking a lot more about the specifics of that in the future here on the podcast. And then last but not least, if you're looking for more of a individualized custom, you know, coaching option, we have three different custom training plans um, that range in, in price based on how much coach interaction that you need or want from us. And um, we can create a plan specifically for you involving your ability level, your experience level, your race schedule, your work schedule, all of those sorts of things too. So check those out. I'll put links in the show notes, or you can just go to our uh, website, weightendurance.com um, under the custom plan option and find all of that stuff. So yeah, you've been pretty busy working on those who, uh, who have ordered them like on the holidays. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe even as gifts. Yeah. This time of year yeah. is, is everyone's getting their ducks in a row for the right? new season. So it's been, been keeping me busy for sure. Um, all right, so should we go on to episode? Yeah, yeah. I got the, the sales pitch, but that, that is the <laughs> cornerstone of our business. Right, right. Um, but yeah, we we really want to just talk about who we are and our thoughts on you know our coaching metho- methodologies. Um, talk about how we got to go to Bentonville in October. That was sort of spurheaded this. Yeah, so we went to uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, uh, which is the mountain bike headquarters for USA Cycling. Um, among other things, but this was for a USA cycling coaching seminar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really got me thinking about uh, a lot of just like insightful thoughts mm-hmm. of like, what does it mean to be a coach? How do you become a better coach? How can you instill or share your knowledge and experience with the athletes that you're coaching and all of those sorts of things? So it really got me thinking about evaluating ourselves as coaches. Mm-hmm. And what we have, you know, kind of taking a look back over the last, I mean, actually, this is my 19th year of having a coaching business and being a, quote, coach. Um, that means 2025 will be 20th year. So we'll have to have a big, like, mm. celebration of 20 big years party. of coaching <laughs> okay. or whatever. But let's not get ahead of ourselves on that. Um, but really evaluating kind of everything we've learned mm-hmm. over you know, more recently, the last five years, I think, working with the We Development program um, has really been impactful for us and, you know, maybe sharing some of those. So, you know, over the last five years with We Development, you know, all these, you know, learnings and experiences have really further molded our like coaching method, methodology, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, um, and shaping our, our coaching. Yeah, philosophy. I would say, like, I learned best when from two things trying it myself, experience it myself, mm-hmm, and then sure. trying to explain it to somebody else. And as we've coached the young writers on our redevelopment team, we've continued to train ourselves. And right. even though sometimes we wonder, like, why are we still doing this? Why are we still racing? And our, our interest is waning a little bit on the serious racing that we've done for years. Mm-hmm. We both want to keep doing the training and the racing at some level because it gives us insight into what our athletes are experiencing true yeah it's so valuable it's right. like i know how hard these intervals are because i just did them yesterday right right or i know how stressful it is to get ready for a race because we just did that relay race at mcdowell two weekends ago and i could barely sleep you know it's like so silly but i i like to keep being very intentional with my involvement so i learn and then as i'm working with the young writers i just learn so much as i hear their questions like well why do we do it this way or should I feel this way? Or what do you think about this situation? And, you know, their questions challenge me almost more than anything. Like, Oh, I hadn't really thought about it that way. Let's, let's dig into that. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I think you would agree. Yeah. I mean, um, I'll sort of parallel the thought that you had there of like, 
our own racing performances are becoming less and less, mm -hmm. uh, I guess, important to us. Um, but maintaining the training program and training progressions that we prescribe to our junior development program, but also in our just our downloadable plans and custom plans with our adult athletes and just staying involved in that just keeps everything sort of relevant in and our fresh. minds and mm -hmm. fresh. Yeah, that's a, a good word, fresh in our minds. So mm -hmm. when a question does come up from an athlete, you know, it's like about VO2 max intervals, it likely won't have been that long since we've done them, mm -hmm. um, even though maybe we're not targeting a specific big race like we used to do in the past. But mm -hmm. now it's, you know, still important for us to to stay in the game in that way. Right. And also for our own health and and well, for sure. Longevity as humans. So, uh, you know, I think we'll always be bike riders and, and you know, in our life and um, doing that. So, our focus has been on our junior development team the past five years. Are we going into our sixth year? We'll be going okay. into year six. Yeah. So, this fall was really consumed with reviewing applicants for the open spots because we, we keep about half or, or so of our, our existing team and we usually have. People kind of graduate the program, or they're moving on to something else, or they realize they don't want to train as seriously. So we have about 15 spots to to fill. Mm -hmm. So we were so busy this fall reviewing applications, Zoom interviewing with the with the applicants and their families, and then once we had the team selected, it was all about onboarding the riders and and um, getting them prepared for the season. That involved reviewing past data. That involves so many Zoom calls that we do monthly or weekly with the writers to teach them about kind of our language. You know, how how do you how are you, how are the writers going to tackle the season? Like, what can they expect from us? That also involved Zooms with the parents so that they trust us as caretakers of their mm -hmm. their precious children. You know, like so this topic of like who we are has been something we've been discussing really for months now, because every time we had a Zoom with, with the parents, it was, hi, we're Cody and Kathy Wait, Thank you for being interested in our team. And we want to tell you about ourselves so you feel like you can trust us with your kid because we value your, your writer and we're going to treat that writer as well as we can. And here's what we believe. Right. Um, what would you say like was one of the messages you wanted to kind of share with the new families or maybe if another coach, maybe a coach at the, the clinic we were just at, like if they ask, like, what are your important values and philosophies and, and what's kind of a cornerstone of your coaching philosophy or methodology? Like what were the things that would just kind of roll off your tongue as super important for you? I think for me, one of the like foundational knowledge points of, of coaching and you know, developing athletes and retaining athletes in, in cycling um, is really, I mean, it all boils down to an effective training progression. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, that sounds really like simple and rudimentary maybe, but it's kind of a broad term. But, um, you know, I think an effective training progression makes the training program for that individual rider um, sustainable, achievable, um, I mean, there's so many things on the the actual training side of things, the psychology side of things, the, you know, exercise physiology or scientific side of the mm -hmm. training. If your program, your training program has an effective progression throughout their, you know, it boils down to throughout a single workout, through an, a week of training, through a month of training, mm -hmm. through a whole season of training. And, you know, if they stick with it for over the course of several seasons of training and having that effective progression is I think kind of the foundation of, of coaching basically. I would agree. And I think that three things we like to think about when we're creating effective training progressions for all of our athletes, the, the, the writers on our youth development team, as well as the adult athletes, which reach out for custom training plans. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of a threefold approach. Um, what what age is the athlete? Right. So there's chronological age, and then there's sort of like training mm -hmm. age. Maybe, right, right. Right. So kind of, I would have that split into two different okay. things. Yeah. So like like biological age, and then training age. Right. And then third, like the season, the type of time of year they're in. So 
you know, what they do now in the winter months is going to be different than what they do in the spring months, different than what they're going to do the summer months, mm -hmm. and then back in the fall again. And so you're the one in our training, our coaching business who is responsible for creating the overall plans for the riders and the training progressions. And that's what you're looking at. And I, I appreciate that approach. I mean, maybe it is simple, but it's the right way to do it. You know, you're looking at who that rider is, what they can handle, and then what workouts are going to be practical for this time of year. And, and then from there, it's like, like, how are those workouts going to be achievable? Right. And for, that to me is so important. I mean, speaking from personal experience, like if I didn't find the workouts achievable and really rewarding to complete them and feel good about myself as a, an athlete and a human, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have kept doing them either. Right. You know, and you've been getting back into golf and everybody who's been listening knows I'm a pickleball fanatic <laughs> and it crosses over to that too. And being kind of coached lately in pickleball has reminded me of how important that is for our young writers, especially. Because mm -hmm. um, like I was doing this little clinic and the coach just kept telling me everything I was doing wrong for an hour. And I started laughing after an hour and I said to the coach, do I even know how to play pickleball? Right. You know, like I, I'm feeling super. Because they're pointing out everything I know, you're I'm like wrong. feeling super inadequate right yeah. now. Um, and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. And then it's like, she reminded me of all the good things I was doing, but it made me think about our young writers, especially like if they are feeling just constantly inadequate or like they can't achieve this, mm -hmm. it's not sustainable. Right. And this is supposed to be fun. Right. Well, I think that's true for any age, but mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And having your training program built around, you know, targeting the specific energy systems that you're wanting to train, take you through whether it's, you know, a base training season or a racing season um, is so appropriate. And yeah, setting up the workouts themselves mm -hmm. that are correctly, um, you know, the right training load for mm -hmm. that rider is so important because then like you just said they'll be able to hit the training targets for that workout mm -hmm. complete it successfully more often than not i mean you're not going to have every workout be a success that's just part of it sometimes we fail workouts um but the majority of them will be successful and that will feed that feeling of uh, enjoyment mm -hmm. because ultimately if you don't enjoy fill in the blank, the sport, you know, if you don't enjoy the cycling and the training around it, then you're not going to really like stay in it. So, mm -hmm. you know, our goal as coaches, one of our big goals of coaches is to one, make the training programs um, very easy to understand and follow. So none of our workouts are particularly complicated, especially once you understand them. And we keep the number of the workouts that like the number of different kinds of workouts that we have pretty minimal. I mean, I've always said, I think I've said in the past, like, we have about 10 workouts or something like that. Right, I right. should count them up, but I, I think know. it's about 10 workouts that, you know, we basically do throughout the year. There's a lot of repetitiveness to it. Um, and from year to year, it remains mostly the same. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a reason behind that, that, you know, it's easy to understand, then it's easier to execute. You're still getting the, the training stimulus that's needed for improvement. And then in the end of the day, the, you, the rider, feels good about what you're, you know, completing and, and moving forward with. Well, some of us really do have anxiety about new things. Mm -hmm. And if the new training plan, the new workout program, the new coaching language is too new, too complicated, too convoluted. It'd be very frustrating. It's so frustrating. Yeah. And it's, you know, not something that that person is going to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think... Don't you think? Oh, for sure. And I think having created the downloadable training plans over the years has really forced me into thinking about creating a training program that is easy to understand because I'm trying to relay a fair bit of information and in how to do something mm -hmm. without actually ever speaking to the writer. You know, if they're just downloading the program and going, like, I'll write instructions in there, but hopefully... The instructions are digestible enough that a ride, you know, someone can read through it, look at the the workout objectives, and execute those workout objectives. And I mean, the the proof is in the pudding that you know the, these are highly rated training programs. So it's like that has really 
molded a lot of our workout philosophies mm-hmm. and training philosophies, I think, is making something kind of easy to de- deliver and understand and execute. Right. So, you know, I think those sorts of things are big in, in you know, developing riders and retaining them in the sport of cycling. Right. And that's the whole goal. Most of us are not going to go to the, to the Olympics or World Cup races, but cycling is an incredible activity you can do your whole life if you keep finding it enjoyable. Right. Exactly. Do you want to say anything else about that or move on to the, the next idea? I think that. Okay. Well, Cody, we've been together a long time, so I've, I've heard you say to me and to our three girls <laughs> numerous times mm-hmm. that life is just about solving one problem after another. Yes. Yeah, life I, is a series of problems that yeah. just, we have to solve and move on to the next one. You know, it can be so maddening. Like just when you get your task list checked off and completed, then the toilet backs up and you have to call the plumber. And you're <laughs> right. like, damn it, I thought I was done with all my problems. Right. And you'd laugh at me and say, no, like literally. Never ending. It's never ending. <laughs> so um, the same idea does cross over into coaching because really coaching is just about problem solving. It is. Um, Because you can have this like master plan and you are really good at creating these master plans, but we're humans. We're not robots. Life is messy. People are people, not robots. It's nearly impossible. Yeah. You write a training plan, like no one ever follows it exactly. It's just too, we we don't, you know, we, it's just a really good roadmap. So I just wanted to kind of pick your brain, brain about that, that idea about problem solving and then, how you and I both use other resources available to kind of solve those problems for ourselves and for our athletes. Um, you know, we, we have some common, common themes that come in a lot. Like I don't have enough calories. Um, I'm, I'm not getting enough calories on my ride. I don't feel very good. Or I've missed three periods or my back hurts when I'm riding, or I get too worked up before an event. You know, it, every person has, a few of those problems that are kind of repetitive, right? We, mm-hmm. we hear these a lot. Um, what What do you think about your, um, you know, what's your philosophy with like how you would kind of take like a big picture approach to just coaching problems that come? Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're faced with, with the problems, you first you want to sort of analyze the problem. You want to re, maybe research the problem if it's more technical or something you're not as familiar with. You may need to collaborate with others, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's actually quite important because, you know, there is there's way more ways than just one to do to solve a problem. I mean, most problems can be solved with multiple options, right? Um, and you know, figuring out what source of you know, content that Mm -hmm. you're going to utilize to solve this problem. So, you know, there's one more than one way to train and coach, Um, you know, two heads is better than one kind of thing, the old Mm -hmm. saying, and, you know, probably even more than two heads is better than (laughs) one. Um, I mean, I think that's one reason not to sort of like kudo ourselves, but let's do it. The fact, (laughs) the fact that we are two heads, um, Cody and (laughs) Kathy, and the fact that, you know, it's probably helpful. One's male, one's female, right? Like, um, has, you know, I say all the time, like we complement each other, like my weaknesses are your strengths and then your weaknesses are my strengths. So we, we tend to work really well together in terms of a, a coaching um, situation. So, um, you know, that's all really critical. And then collaborating with other people. Um, yeah, not, necess- not necessarily people we know, but like people we know of that we can yeah, push, push our athletes toward for more help. Right. And, and respected um, you know, experts in the field too, whether it be through books or podcasts or social media content or blogs and, you know, things like that, that you can kind of learn from. You do want to be sure you evaluate the source, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't, you know, just take everything as, you know, de facto truth, but it could be written in a book and be written incorrectly or for sure. Social media is like riddled with, you know, not the most accurate stuff, um, amongst some things that are quite useful. Um, and, you know, being able to evaluate that and, you know, if you're looking at a, you know, research article from the latest scientist that's published something, you know, you got to kind of be critical of that. Like, where's the funding for that kind of research, um, and making sure that's right. But once you've kind of figured out 
I think, I think us, and I would assume most coaches, they tend to figure out like their little collection of trusted resources, whether they know the, the people or not, or if they just know they're well-known, like Dr. Stacy Sims, for example, mm-hmm. is it like by far the, the premier expert on female athletic performance, for sure. um, and dealing with like menstrual cycles and menopause and all those sorts of things. And I know you've taken her online, um, course and everything and yeah women are not small men right the um, name of the course and it was so darn good I highly recommend that to anyone out there who is just even a parent of a a young woman yeah yeah no so good so so useful yeah you I mean and you reference her all the time all the time I mean our team our we development program is at least a third females maybe a little bit more more than a third Mm -hmm. so that's that's pretty solid um and um you know So, you know, I think being able to just break down, you know, when you're faced with a problem um, or something you want to kind of solve or improve. Yeah, I I think it's about, you know how in our normal intro for our podcast, I don't think we have it on this one because we just wanted to get this out, but is like we're not scientists, doctors, or what did we say? Nutritionists (laughs) or dietitians. Basically, like we're coaches. Right. We're We're in the real world. We're educated coaches. Yeah. We are experienced coaches, but we're going to stay in our lane. We are not physicians. We are not dietitians. We are not physical therapists. We are not bike fitters. We're, we're not mechanics. Not a lot of things. We're, we're not, not <laughs> professional podcasters. <laughs> I know you can tell that one. Um, so I think it's so valuable to stay really humble and curious to learn and also know where to p- send people, even if it's a kind of general. For example, one of our, our young writers on our team had texted about a knee problem. And I think that's happening from more hours in the trainer than she's ever had over a fall and winter season. Mm-hmm. So right away, I, I like from far from far away from multiple states away. I can't do that much except for to know that I don't have much to to give her personally. But what I can tell her is go see a physical therapist mm-hmm. and make sure that your knee's going to heal properly and and like quickly. Mm-hmm. And maybe there. Are our muscular imbalances that need to be addressed, boom, that physical therapist is your best resource. Number two, there's probably a bike fit issue on your trainer. I'm definitely not someone who can help you from afar, but go find a, a, a local bike fitter in your area who is skilled and qualified to help you. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels really good actually to sort of send people on to those who can help better. For sure. Yeah, I would, I would fully agree. So you know, being being open and curious and inquisitive to figuring out how to solve whatever the problems is mm-hmm. and, you know, being open. Because it's a sad thing when you, you do see some coaches that are, you know, I don't want to say they think they, they, they're know-it-alls necessarily, but they're more resistant to reaching out or, um, you know, they maybe they have it, they think they have it figured out. Well, I mean, we should all understand that like no one knows everything. Mm-hmm. And your your favorite saying is you do, you don't know what you don't know. Or yeah, not. yeah. I don't know what I don't know. And yeah. honestly, I'm like constantly amazed by it. Like cuz I can get kind of arrogant in my own thinking too. Like oh, everybody. Sure. I, I do too. And then yeah. something will happen. I'll be like, "Holy crap, I did it again." <laughs> I don't know what I don't know. Right. And and I'm so confident in our training methods and progressions that I feel like they are for most people in most situations, the best and most effective way to do it, but they're by no means the only way to do Mm -hmm. it. And there very easily can be something better out there for somebody than what we have to offer. But Mm -hmm. as long as you talk through it and if we learn about these other things, you know, we can become better coaches. We can pass that information onto our athletes and ultimately everyone is succeeding into a higher mm-hmm. level. Yeah, that's what it's all about. We want to feel good about how we're coaching and we really want our athletes to feel good about their progression mm-hmm. and their development as, as a writer, and yeah. as a person. Um, okay, I, I'd love to talk a little bit more about the environment that we're hoping to create with our athletes to, mm-hmm. to, to support performance um, and just like long-term health yeah. for them. And that's like a really big topic, right? Right. Um, and you and I were talking about like, what does environment even mean? Because we, I think there's two parts to it. 
there's the coaching environment that we are responsible for helping create, facilitate and maintain. Mm -hmm. And then there's the athlete environment that really only they can create because like we don't live in their house with them. Right. And like they need to create um, a physical, emotional and social environment where they are supported in their training and they are supporting themselves. They're, they're, they're making lifestyle choice choices to support their own goals. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm really curious about your thoughts on this because anything that has to do with the way we are as humans, the way we think, the way we act, the way we treat each other, the way we treat ourselves is of great interest to me. Like all the podcasts I listen to are about intrapersonal relationships or like self-reflection. So I just love this idea of like, what can we do as a coach and then to create a good environment? And then what can we do to help the athlete create their own environment? Because it is a two-fold process. Like right. we can't do everything for them. They have to have some self-initiation here. So yeah. yeah, what are your thoughts about that? Like maybe start with the coaching environment. Like what do you think we we are responsible for doing? Yeah, the co coaching environment. I like that phrase. Um, well, I think first first and foremost, you know, there has to be thought of that it's a coach athlete teamwork mm -hmm. situation, you know, relationship. Um, the athlete needs to feel like they are being seen and heard. Mm -hmm. um, because we have run into situations in the past where an athlete was hoping for just a slightly different style of response, perhaps back mm -hmm. to, or just feedback maybe to what they were working on in their, in their training program. And it wasn't what was on maybe mine or yours or our, our radar. Exactly. So right, it didn't really right. match up. So it's like kind of figuring out that coach athlete, um, teamwork together yeah. and understanding that the making sure the athlete is being seen and heard in the way they're kind yeah, of that's, wanting to be. That's seen. a really big topic. Oh my gosh. And that can take maybe multiple seasons of working together. It can to for sure. totally make that gel. Right. Because but, there's lots yeah. of personalities. Lots of personalities. Um differentials. Communication there. styles. Communication yeah. styles, exactly. But if you start from a place of trust that that they trust us as their coaches and we make them feel like we trust them. You know, that that's one of my big things is I say to them, like, I trust you to listen to your body and, and make good choices for yourself. Like mm -hmm. just because the week is planned out this way, I, we trust you to also make some choices about how this is going to work for you mm -hmm. and just kind of creating that supportive, mutually trusting environment. Right. Right. No, yeah, for sure. And then another big piece of being a coach, I mean, there has to be a lot of, I guess for lack of a better term, like positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, training for any sport, but, you know, I think endurance training is can be quite difficult because oftentimes you're doing it alone. Um, and, you know, just having that feeling of, completion and success. success from the workouts that you're doing, maybe the long rides you're putting in, those mm -hmm. sorts of things. You, often a rider may need some added encouragement or... I'm happy to give it. Right. And again, it's kind of problem solving, right? Yeah. It's like, because we, we had one rider last year, for example, that came from another sport that was very social, mm -hmm. came to cycling, and which is, I, want, I don't want to say antisocial, but it's... You don't, it's not a very social sport. In the you have picture. to work really hard to bring the social aspect it, aspect to it during those long months of training. Right. And this athlete was having a difficulty kind of making that transition from a very social sport to a kind of a less social sport and mm -hmm. figuring out how to do that. And it was creating some, you know, minor issues with motivation and he was needing some encouragement and right. problem solving to problem get more solving. social. Right. And so ultimately we figured out you know, how to help him right. with that. And, and because of it, he's still in the sport, you know, and, right. um, which is great to see. So that sort of um, thing, I think, is, is an important part of that coaching athlete environment um, that would lead towards the health and wellness longevity of that athlete st staying in the sport of cycling and being successful in the sport of cycling.
or did you have any? Yeah, no, I think that, that that really covers it for me. Um, you know, like we've talked about how we each have our own communication style and probably what you need needed from your coach, Arnie Baker, growing up is different than what I have needed from you as my coach. Um, and another good reason to have us working together because I think you connect with the communication styles of some of the writers better and, you know, vice versa right, for, for right. me. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my, my dad was super positive and encouraging to me when I was a, a young athlete playing basketball and running cross country and track. And so that's just sort of my nature, like effusive encouragement. I, I love the kudos. You, you, do you, love you the always kudos. tease me about always it, but <laughs> I mean, I love them, love them, love them. And even to reference my story from a few minutes ago, when I was talking about get, being coached through some pickleball drills, like I just really needed her, my coach to, to say, I think you're a great pickleball player <laughs> and you are just really crushing this. Right. Even at my age, I desperately need that encouragement. Right, right. So I do not mind giving it freely and effusively to people. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes well, sense. What do you think about um, like the athlete's responsibility to create that environment? And and I think it's like the coach's responsibility to help the athlete create the environment. Mm -hmm. um, but it's something we've watched our own daughter do for herself, and I think we've modeled for her. Like, but what jumps out to you? Well, one of the big things I think if if this is the question you're asking is like. Um, if, in terms of the responsibility of the athlete in that coach athlete mm -hmm. um, communication is leaving a lot of feedback or providing a lot of feedback to their coach. Oh yeah, I wasn't thinking that at all. I was thinking about things like sleep and, and oh, more of the physical but environment. I, let's not skip over that one because yeah. that one is huge. Um, that well, does create an environment. If you want to keep using that buzzword mm -hmm. um, of like effective coaching through constant communication and like detailed communication. Right. I mean, that's been a, something we've been driving hard on our redevelopment program this year is like almost to the point of kind of requiring our riders to mm -hmm. leave some sort of comment in their training peaks, you know, post-workout. Um, and I think you, you do a lot of the review of the workouts mm -hmm. after they're done and you found, you've been finding that helpful. So helpful. And sometimes, uh, entertaining too right it's, yeah sometimes <laughs> their their phrasing and their comments is really just delightful for right, me right right and it gives me insight into their unique personalities and mm -hmm. i just love that right. so much but it also um, lets me know if they're healthy if they're understanding the workouts and you know what other sort of right. odd things may have come up right, and that's right. then led to i think more effective zoom calls for our redevelopment team and just kind of like coaching feedback in general. So right. I, I just, that's, well, that's, that's probably, a huge one. I mean, that's one of the biggest benefits of someone working with or hiring a coach is mm -hmm. the, that ability to then provide feedback to their coach. And mm -hmm. then if the coach is doing their job, it responds to that and, you know, adjusts things accordingly. And I think, you know, that's a big part for sure. So, um, so yeah, let's go back to what you were kind of alluding more towards, which was like the physical environment for the athlete, like maybe their training space, like how they adapt their life around mm -hmm. their training. And like the family or community support that they have around them. And right. that could look different for different people. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe just touch on it briefly. We, I mean, we're always kind of going on and on about sleep and nutrition mm -hmm. and, and all that, but. Well, the physical environment, I think, for an athlete, a lot, again, is related to personality traits. Um, you know, some riders are very, um, I'd put myself in this category, like want to control things as much as possible and minimize any outside, we'll just call them distractions or things that would detract from mm -hmm. like improving their training and thusly their performance. So that would be things like, you know, minimizing the social activity. I'm just thinking back to when <laughs> I was 20, 20 to 24 years old and I was training full on, you know, um, bike racing. And, you know, I would sort of isolate myself for the most part um, and very singular focused on the training, especially in like the winter months. And, you know, I'd have my group of people that I would ride with for social interaction, but then I was very much like, and this is just my personality. This wouldn't work for everyone, that's for sure. But like I would come home from a, a, a training ride and make sure I, you know, got the nutrition I needed. And if 
depending on the time of the day, take a nap if that was an option, make sure I did my stretching and my strength training if that was part of the day, and then, you know, using that to recover after that and making sure I eat a, another healthy meal and get into bed in time and those sorts of things. So kind of creating my physical athlete environment. Right, but you said the word like sort of isolate. I can't say that word. You were basically isolated. That's not something that you were saying you encouraged. You just no. happened to sort of like that was my you were personality. you were living also like in your parents' condo and and you didn't have a lot of people around you. Right. But let's focus on the really good parts that are applicable to everyone, mm -hmm. and that is like taking really good care of yourself. Right. Outside of your training rides, doing everything you can in your control to optimize your mm -hmm. health and training performance. For yeah. sure. Um, and yeah, and we've beat, we've probably beaten this to death over the year, the previous seasons of our podcast, but things like nutrition and sleep and strength training and, you know, all of those sorts of things, um, the family physical support. health, yeah, yeah. family Friends. health. Um, yeah, yeah, it's all good. I mean, it's definitely a team effort to choose this lifestyle. Um, the adults listening would, would, would recognize that very well if, if they want to, train for a big race in the summer, they're going to need their, their family support along the, mm -hmm. the way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that physical environment can kind of alter throughout the season too. I'm just thinking back to a few years ago when, you know, Leadville was at the top of my priority list for a few seasons and, you know, things were sort of like, I guess we will just say quote normal through the, the base training season. But then once I got like eight weeks out from the race, like I, that's when I really prioritized the race over as many things as I possibly could in mm -hmm. my adult life. Um, and, you know, that involved literally changing my physical environment at times, like going up to altitude and, you know, camping in our RV and getting in the training rides required for that. And again, minimizing distractions and things as best as I could um, for the sake of a peak performance. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that can ebb and flow throughout an entire season. So, yeah, for sure. you know, this time of year, this kind of like new year's, um, time is not going to be nearly as like restrictive and, and controlled as perhaps when you're four, six, eight weeks out from your big A priority race where you're going to want to like buckle down with your environment as much. Right. Holidays and family stuff. Some of our young writers. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's hard for some personalities. Um, I, I think even this morning I texted it, one of the kids in the team like that it is 100% okay that they missed a, a few workouts over the past week or two because they were on a family vacation. Right, right. The family vacation and that's the memories. The that, that's yeah. the importance. At this to, point yeah, in the yeah. season, yeah. So, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, but like we've said a couple of times already that that writer just needed to be told like it's okay and we think you're great. And I reminded him he's been incredibly consistent for months. And it's normal and healthy to take a couple weeks of less structured time. Right. For sure. For sure. Well, I think I'd like to wrap up this episode just sort of talking about um, who, who we are as, as coaches, like our identity and like mm. why we see learning as a really important part of our mm -hmm. kind of our responsibility. And we already said one of my favorite phrases is, you don't know what you don't know. Right. One of my other favorite sayings I got from my therapist, um, Sue, which is uh, be kind, curious, and humble. Okay. And that's something I say to our girls all the time. Um, the part that really jumps out at, that's applicable to the coach's identity is I mean, the, kind, the kindest ones are obvious, for God's sakes. Nobody wants a mean <laughs> coach, but the, being curious and humble. Mm-hmm. As a coach. As a coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, knowing that we always want to keep learning, whether it's the, the latest scientific discoveries or it's a kind of like a new approach to um, preparing mentally for a race or um, I don't know, just anything. Maybe you can come up with some more ideas, but just being curious about learning and humble and, and, and putting yourself out there to, to try new things. What I see in you, Cody, as a coach, mm -hmm. like as I, if I would like kind of categorize you as a coach is, okay. you know, you're, you're someone who is smart, intelligent, interested in learning. That, that is one of the things I like so much about you. Um, I always tease you that like, I'll read a novel and you'll read like a book on 
how to do how something. to do something. Right. I'm like, for God's sakes, like, <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? But I, I do love that about you. Um, and you're the planner, you're data driven, you are the, the one who's outlining the training progressions. Um, I mean, so I think it's kind of fun to, to, when you're working with somebody to say to the other person, like, here's how I see you. And, mm-hmm. and would those identify your words, like ring true for you? Do you feel like that's like who you are? Yeah, I think so. More of the analytical um, person for sure. Um, I mean, I am very much like data driven. I, I do love to learn, you know, how to do things or how things are done or Mm -hmm. how to better do something. Um, And that goes with everything in my coaching life, you know, how to plan out a season of training. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I have that pretty well understood, but I certainly don't know everything there is to know about it. And you can learn how somebody else does it and maybe use some of that to better Mm -hmm. enhance the way I would do it. Um, All the data-driven stuff. I mean, in today's world, we have so much data like now at our fingertips and really learning how to use that data is becoming more and more interesting to me and, Mm -hmm. or has been really. I mean, simple things like HRV data, you know, that's several years old now, but when that first came out, like I was very intrigued by it and, you know, was, you know, er an early adopter of the apps that measure it and track it and kind of help you like determine, you know, utilize it and make it useful. And, you know, and then as that evolved into other products like the Aura Ring and the Whoop and all those sorts of things, you know, being able to like understand that and utilize Mm -hmm. that in one's training, um, has been, you know, super interesting and I think has made me a better coach because it puts different spins on, you know, areas that need more attention mm-hmm. to, in order to, you know, cultivate a true peak performance out of someone. Um, and yeah, so I would say those are pretty good identifiers mm-hmm. for me. And I'm always eager to, to continue learning those types of things, you know, going right. back to what we were talking about earlier of, yeah. you know, how do you solve problems and, you know, learning from other people that know more than you on the topic. Um, or, or maybe just have a different take on a situation. Or a different take. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Yeah. I what think, do you, what do you see as my coach identity? Um, yeah. So you're, I always think of you as the emotional support person. Like, I think that you would argue that the person's emotional state and well-being and like thought process going into an event or even into a workout into their training is every bit as important as the data or any of that you know and that's like back to what we said earlier like mm-hmm. strengths and weaknesses right like yours is like the opposite the yin and yang of mm-hmm. of mine but that's what makes us such a great coaching duo i think but yeah, that that emotional side of of training, racing, progressing, peaking, performance, all those sorts of things, and then kind of tied in with that, like the psychology of it yeah. too. Because you know, the first thing I look at after a workout with a rider or after a race with a rider is the the training numbers. What was your power here? What was your heart rate there? You know, what'd you average? You know, da da da, the data. But your first thing is how'd you feel? How did you feel? How did it go? Yeah, how did? What were you thinking? Like all those sorts of things. So, was it a good workout? And what does good mean to you? Right, exactly. So, but I do love the data too, and that's oh, the sure. cool part about having been in in life with you and in work with you as your as your coaching partner. Is I now feel like I am a data person. Well, you said that about me. I said I don't think I'm a data person. Mm-hmm. I'm, and you're like, no, you are the data person. You're the one that looks at their workouts when they're yeah. when they're done. I'm like, oh, I guess I am. Yeah, because I really have learned so much from you and absorbed. A lot of it over the years so i do like to look at the data and, and kind of hash it out with them because the data gives us insight but to me it's coupled with like the thoughts and the feelings that, that exactly. go together which has been good the for couple. you mm-hmm. to like think about because we're not robots right well i think that i love that you just said that like they they the data and the emotional and the feelings they must be coupled together mm-hmm. to determine you know how effective it was if it was successful or not, or where the improvement is coming from. I mean, it's actually very similar to 
our, you know, if we want to go to me in the data driven side, it's like, we don't just train with power. We don't just train with heart rate. Oh, right. They, they come we, together. You have to couple them together yeah. to the understand the relationship. Right, right. So it's almost like the power, the watts are the hard data and the heart rate is the emotional side because it's yeah. the impact. The feelings and the thoughts. Yeah, that yeah. your heart is having, right? Like how, <laughs> how much it has to work to, to do the power. Well, you know, it's the kind of the same thing with. Oh, my gosh. That was so perfectly <laughs> summarized. Yeah. You know, one without the other, you're only getting half of the story, right? right, right. Um, whether you're a data-driven cyclist or the, you know, more emotional, psych psychological side of right. cycling. But you need both to come together to understand right. what's happening, how to improve, um, all those sorts of things. So. so there you have it. Yeah, and learning. I mean, bottom line is the more we can learn, the better coaches we can can be. And the more we learn, it'll continue to further refine our identities mm -hmm. and our thoughts processes and the methods and all those and all that good stuff yeah so our, yeah, yeah there that you was have a it fun discussion our perspective yeah well, on fun for me i like talking to you about all this stuff yeah and, and i think hope this was a good timing going into it was good timing for us this is almost like a season review like season, we do with all yeah, our, our young writers like a conversation between you and you and me about our philosophies moving forward as we head into the 2024 season so yeah Hopefully our listeners, um, if they're out there, yeah, enjoyed it, at least some of it. And it was thought-provoking and get a little better understanding of how maybe we do things or how we think about how we do things uh, moving forward. So Yeah, so thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening. And we'll be back after the holidays. We'll continue season four of the show. We'll dig deeper into, like I said earlier, our master's training program, base mm -hmm. builder program that we've created. Um, that you know, I think will be fun for us because it's something the two of us are following this year with our own training. You know, we don't have any big A races on, on our calendar per se, uh, but we want to follow this program if for no other reason to, you know, resist the aging process as yeah. much as we possibly can. Well, it's fun to feel fit and strong. It's fun to feel fit and strong for sure. Um, All right, and, so stay tuned. Yeah. And come back, come back for another episode. And if you were listening to this before the holidays, peace be with you. I know this is a stressful time. I, I have felt it. And I'm also just trying to like absorb every second I get with the girls because we don't all live together anymore. Yeah, it's a good time of the year to yeah. bring the family together and, yeah. and enjoy that. So yeah, happy, happy new holidays. year to everyone. And, and we'll uh, see you soon. Yeah, we'll see you in 2020, 20, 2024. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> see you soon.